to the You Are Infinitely Loved podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Koos. We believe that loving yourself is the key to transforming every aspect of your life. And it's our hope that these conversations bring you one step closer towards embracing this truth. Well, today, here we are interviewing the master of all things self-love, Sam Thomas. (laughs) Wow. Self-love master. I love it. (laughs) Yes, that is your title. Um, For those who don't know, Sam has truly mastered what it (laughs) means to practice self-love. She's the guru of it all. Uh, We bow down. We are not worthy. (laughs) No need to bow. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we are asking her to help us figure out some tools to begin practicing self-love. What it looks like, how we do it. And so here we are, Sam. I'm excited. this, <laughs> demystify it. <laughs> I am a demystifier from way back. <laughs> what tool do you want me to, to start with, Lindsay? Because I have a whole bag of them. You know, Sam did give me a whole list of these tools and it's a long list. And I'm super <laughs> impressed of all the tools you've gathered. The one that I was looking at that, struck me as the most interesting is this tool you called, uh, you call find the counter evidence. Ah, I love this tool, <laughs> which why do you love it? Because this tool is like so easy for people to understand and so simple. And it is like super quick at completely changing people's beliefs. So it's like, yeah. It's a powerhouse now, tool. This sounds like uh, that's a pretty big sell, Sam. I, I mean, like, know. I'm going to be honest with our <laughs> listeners. But I stand behind this tool. <laughs> wow. As seen on TV. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It can, you know, it's like those knives that can cut through shoes. Do you have those ads? We have these ads in Australia where they try and sell you steak knives. And one of the things they do is they cut through a leather shoe. And I was always thinking, why, why do I need to cut through my leather shoes? <laughs> it's that type of tool. You've got to cut through the meat. Might as well cut through the skin first. Yeah. It, it'll work in ways that you don't even imagine, this tool. If you look like I do and it turns out to taste like a leather shoe, it can still be cut. <laughs> That's why, they were, Sam. They were the weirdest commercials of all time. I was like, I'm not really sure what the selling point here is. But anyway. But look at this. Years later, you're still talking about it. Exactly, it worked. Uh, marketing, marketing it works. Worked. <laughs> well, as much as I'd love to talk about knives cutting through other shoes, shall we? <laughs> Let's go into this tool. Okay. Okay. Do you want me to launch straight into what this is? Yeah. I, okay. I mean, I have no idea what it means. Tell me. Okay. Okay. So we are all wandering around in the world as magnificent human beings with a little thing called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is... It can be helpful or it can be incredibly unhelpful, but basically it's this idea that your brain is actively seeking evidence all day long for what you already believe to be true. So if you have a particular religious belief, your brain will go through the world seeking evidence that that belief is true and it will find it and therefore confirm your belief in whatever your belief is. It's the same with a political belief. If you have a particular political belief that you hold, your brain will go through the world 
with that belief, actively seeking evidence to support that it's true. And you'll find it everywhere because there's always evidence. However, this is the same with any crappy belief that you hold about yourself. So if you think that you're bad at your job, your brain will go through the world actively seeking evidence that that's true and it's going to find it and it's going to confirm your belief. That's why it's called confirmation bias. So obviously the more crappy negative self-beliefs you have, the worse it is because your brain just keeps confirming to you over and over and over again that what you believe, this story that you're telling yourself, because essentially it's a story, is true. However, here's where the counter evidence tool comes in. There is always counter evidence to every single belief, you know? So for every religious belief, there's counter evidence. For every political belief, there's counter evidence. For every belief about everything, there's counter evidence. It's just we don't like to look for it because <laughs> that can be really uncomfortable to kind of challenge our own beliefs. But yes. it's the same with self belief. So let's use the example like if you believe you're bad at your job then I challenge you, find the counter evidence. So look at the end of your day, like where were the ways that you were good at your job? This is what the counter evidence tool is. It's, it's all about identifying like what's your self-belief and what's the opposite of that and how can okay. you find the evidence? So give us a real life example of this for you. What has, mm -hmm. give us example. Okay. So if I look back at like my self-loathing issues around poor body image and thinking that I was like ugly and fat. Are you and... taking this deep? That's kind of like a shallow, like had a bad day at work, but no, let's go there. Let's Keep going. Go. Let's go there. <laughs> Deeper, Sam. <laughs> you know. So my confirmation bias was like helped by the fact that I worked in TV. So <laughs> I worked in an industry with an incredibly narrow uh unrealistic kind of idea of beauty. So I walk through the world with this idea that I'm not beautiful, not slim enough was a big one, um, not beautiful enough. And I would see evidence everywhere in every single colleague that I worked with and every single thing that I was producing and broadcasting of all of these women who were slimmer than me, in my mind, more beautiful than me. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm not slim enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I would see it everywhere because that was the belief that I held. So for me, it was like, and the way that I used the counter evidence tool was more, I kind of switched the, the wording of it and thought of it like a gratitude practice. And I think that was when I, I think I mentioned in, in the first episode that I had a coach that made me do this and made me kind of look at the counter evidence, look at my body in a different way. What was the, what was a different way that I could see my body, you know? And didn't you kind of start with like low hanging fruit? <laughs> Very low hanging like... fruit. Like I can walk fruit. Yeah. <laughs> like my body is. I have legs that, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I built my way up. But um, yeah. That there's... reminds me when I was a kid, if we said something unkind to a sibling, we would have to say two nice things. Mm. Yes. Him as like punishment and it'd be like well you're not totally stupid <laughs> i like, love it you're not the biggest idiot i've ever seen <laughs> and um <laughs> that backfired another example <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's but was that your mom's idea who came up with that idea yes yes nice. i mean in theory doesn't that sound sweet right like that's a really hurtful, sweet idea you gotta say two kind things but i yeah i was just a jerk <laughs> my parents didn't make me do that they just kept quoting bambi to me my dad was like 
if you can't say nothing nice at all, don't say nothing at all or whatever it is. Some, some quote from Bambi and I was like, okay, dad, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, another like common example is I often, in the people that I coach, I hear people when I talk to them about changes that they want to make to their like routines or to their day, um, I often I'll ask people, you know, why they can't do it and they go, oh, I guess I'm just lazy. I often have people telling me that they're lazy and that for me is like red flag because I fundamentally believe that there's very little people on this earth that are actually lazy. So then I say to them, okay, well, um, let's just uh, look at the counter evidence for that. Uh, Can you tell me what time do you start work normally? And they're like, you know, 7.30 a.m. I'm like, okay, and what time do you finish work? Mm, Like 8 p.m. Ah, okay, so... 12 and a half hour day. Does that sound lazy? Lazy bum. Lazy <laughs> bum. And they're like, work oh, harder, oh. longer. <laughs> Keep working. <laughs> yeah, but I think lazy is a really easy, it's a very commonly held belief uh, that people have, particularly when they're trying to like make changes in their life. They think that the reason they're not making these changes, you know, they say, I just procrastinate. I'm just lazy. And then when I'm like, okay, can we please look at the counter evidence to this? Like, are you procrastinating on, you know, your career or all of these other things that you do? And they can see, oh no, actually this idea that I'm lazy isn't true at all. There's a lot of counter evidence to support the fact that I'm not lazy. And then that builds, you know, a different identity for them and then from that place they can then go on to make positive changes because they can see I'm not lazy I'm just like I've just got a lot of priorities and I'm going to need to manage Mm -hmm. them interesting this reminded me of a story that you uh, shared with me about uh, someone that you work with in the past about Mm. her idea of being I'm just so messy all the time oh my yeah I had this client one time who she kind of off the cuff just said, oh yeah, I'm a really messy person. And it really shook me as odd because she was always like impeccably dressed, very (laughs) professional looking. And I was just having a hard time imagining her being a slob. Um, So I was like, what? Tell me more about that. Did the classic, you know, therapy line. Mm -hmm. Oh, tell Tell me me more. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew she had roommates. So I'm like, what do your roommates think about that? And she's like, oh yeah, they don't care because I keep our common shared areas really tidy. And so I was like, oh, so like your room's a mess, but the rest of the house is really clean. Oh yeah, totally. And then I said, oh, I got work. Are you pretty messy there too then? And she's like, oh no, at work I'm spotless. And then I'm like, oh, is your car pitted out? Like what what are we dealing with here? (laughs) And she said, no, um, people ride my car. So I tend to keep that really clean. Uh And so she had this whole identity on being a messy person because one room in her whole life, like, so like 10% of her life was in fact messy, Yeah, but that was her, her identity. I'm a messy Uh, person. I love this. And so your questions, you were asking for the counter evidence. You were using this tool, Lindsay. I don't even need to give it to you. (laughs) And I feel like for me, podcast is over. Done. I feel like when I heard that story, it like instantly made me think of my identity as a mom Mm. and how I can be mom of the year all day long. I'm reading Mm -hmm. to my kids. We're having healthy food. I'm doing all the things right. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, friggin' bedtime comes (laughs) to beat a worn parent down and I will snap or yell at my kids and I just Mm -hmm. feel awful. Because Mm -hmm. that's not the kind of mom I want to be. 
Mm-hmm. And so I can go to bed then thinking, I am a terrible mom. I'm doing it all wrong. I'm messing my kids up. When, you know, 95% of the day, I've been a really great mom. I've been patient. Yes. I've been a great listener. And so it really is an interesting thing. Like, And I think when I identify like I'm a good mom, then I can say, and when I'm not behaving like a good mom, I can fix that. I can mm. apologize. I can make it right because I'm now identifying as a good mom, not a bad mom. Ugh, and so love. a bad mom doesn't apologize or try to make mm-hmm. things right, but a good mom does. And so I think that even though it's just labeling things, the labeling of identity is so important to get that, yes. to get it right. And it's so important to do what you just said there and not make it your identity, like talk about right. it in terms of your behavior, you know? Right. And I think what you also, what I love there about the story you shared is that it speaks to negativity bias as well. So as well as well as us having this confirmation bias, we also have negativity bias, meaning that our brain is hardwired to remember everything that's negative and to focus on the negative. And so if you you could be a super mom all day long and then as you say, bedtime comes around, you snap at your kids and then you think oh you're a terrible word. parent. And it's like, no, that's just negativity bias. Like you've just counteracted yeah. like all of the positive things that you've done during the day with this one negative thing that you're going to harp onto and, and, and remember. And so I think the counter evidence tool is also really good for undoing that negativity bias because it's like, okay, if you start having that belief at the end of the day, oh, I'm a bad parent, then it's like, no, let's just like take a moment, reflect on the day and, and let's look at ways that I was a great parent today. And I have a client yeah. at the moment that I'm doing this with. We don't even need to do it anymore because the, the tool has worked its magic. Because here's the thing. I made her, she had a belief that she wasn't a good parent. So I said, okay, we're going to use this counter evidence tool. And you're going to send me a text message every day at the end of the day with three ways that you were a good parent that day. And she was like, okay. Like kind of thought it was a bit of a strange thing to do, but she mm-hmm. did it. And she did it every day. And here's where the tool gets even more powerful is that the more you do it, she built up a giant body of evidence that supported the idea that she was a good parent. And Mm -hmm. then she's like, actually, I'm a great parent because she could come up with three new things every single day. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Look at this. You're a great parent that sometimes acts, you know, doesn't behave in the way that you want to. Like (laughs) that's called being human. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I think that's huge. Who's, mm. what are you, what are you thinking? Do you have an example of a negative self-belief that you have or something that, you know, that we can work some counter evidence magic on Coos? Well, one thing that I've been thinking about, I, we had a conversation with a, with a friend earlier over a lunch. She has been doing CrossFit for the past three years. Ooh. And she was telling me all about it, how much she loved it, how she started off, you know, once a week for a little while, and then she opted to twice a week. And now she's doing it four to five times a week. And how every, yeah. And every day she kept thinking, oh, I cannot wait to go back and do this exercises. Mm. Something I I cannot, I cannot relate. relate. (laughs) I I love this person dearly. And I just stared at her glassy eyed like, oh. Good for yeah. you. Yep. Wow, it's powerful. <laughs> but but a part of me, a part of me thought, ah, oh, maybe I should try it. Mm-hmm. But there's this belief, though, for me, I feel like I don't want to start it because I'm probably not going to be good at it. 
I'm not gonna good at it, right?、Uh-huh. I mean, I know I'm not gonna be good at it because it's my first time. Yep. But it's I don't know. It's it just keeps holding me back because I don't want to look like a fool. That is a very unhelpful belief. The belief that I know I must be good at everything. And, <laughs> And and this whole time, as you were talking about finding the counter evidence, there's so many counter evidence that I could find to be like, "Kus, you have done something before that you're not good at, and you、mm-hmm. you kept doing it anyways, even though it ended up failing." Yes, you, you started you've started something before. Like, why why is this why is this holding you back? Well, you know what, Kus,、um, you've started everything before. Like there was <laughs> every there's a time that you know how to tie my shoes. You didn't know how to do it until you did it. You, there was a time you、um, couldn't walk. <laughs> as Koos's wife, I need to interject here that we have on record that Koos has made mistakes. No, <laughs> never. What? I'm not above using this later. Yeah, but that—I mean—that is a belief that gets people in trouble all of the time, and I'm sure something、right. so many people can relate to this idea of like. I'm not going to do this thing because I'm not going to be good at it, and I need to be good at it the very first time. Like that is a crippling belief, and that's tied up in perfectionism. Which, my God, that's another whole topic. But yeah, definitely unhelpful. And that's about looking at yeah, where are the times that you have tried something and failed? Well, not even failed, but where are the times that you've tried something and not been good at it, and the world didn't end? You know, the world is, as far as I know, it's still going. So <laughs> hasn't happened yet. I don't know. It ended for me. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's gonna end at that CrossFit class. <laughs> yep. Yep. I go to CrossFit class, and then that's it. That's, that's it. it. I'm done. How do you feel like this tool? You know, we we obviously can see the value of self love,、mm-hmm. and I'm curious about how you know you have this list of tools.、Mm-hmm. It seems like it takes a while for all the tools to start kind of paying off. <laughs> you know, with this one, kind of seems like there's some immediate, like because of the thought process change, there's some more immediate effects.、Yeah. Do you feel though you see like with yourself and your clients this buildup happen to where you're using these tools、mm-hmm. kind of consistently,、mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it snaps into place, or is it more gradual? You know, like yeah, I need to know if I start practicing <laughs> this, how long is it going to take? You know, how long、butt. before it works? <laughs> Asking for a friend.、Oh, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I think it depends. It depends on the person. What I would say with this tool is this tool, and and why I have a hundred percent money back guarantee on this tool is that it is incredibly fast because、mm-hmm. it's so easy to find counter evidence and right and everybody can do it. Like I've never met a person that can't find counter evidence for whatever their ridiculous belief is about themselves. So in that way, like it can instantly, you can feel like, oh, you know, I can I can see that this is just not true about me. Because I think one of、right. the important things is for people to just acknowledge that their self, their thoughts about themselves are just thoughts that they've made up. They're just completely subjective、mm-hmm. and they're not objectively true.、Um, and what I would say, if there is anyone out there that is legitimately struggling with coming up with the counter evidence, is okay. Think of anyone that loves you; they've got the counter evidence. Like you know,、right. if you were to say that you're a bad parent and you couldn't think of counter evidence, Koos could list a hundred ways that you're a good parent because he loves you and he yes, sees. Yes, and I、you. am requesting that right now. <laughs> I would like to see that list. Is there is there a caveat though on on what you can say or not say in terms of what you're not good at? 
So like, what if I tell you, oh, I'm going, I'm such a terrible doctor. <laughs> of course I'm going to be a terrible doctor. I never went to school to be a doctor. I mean, but, yeah. yeah. That that's a there is there is reason. <laughs> <laughs> that negative self belief is probably helping your life because if you were under the misinterpretation that you're if a good I, doctor and you started, yeah, I'm a good doctor. Surgery yeah. on someone, I'd be really. He's been saying his affirmations <laughs> over and over again. I'm a good doctor. True. I'm a good oh doctor. I'm a good doctor. <laughs> no, my. But but what I would say is back to your point around how long is it going to take? I think it it depends on how ingrained this belief is. Mm -hmm. So you might need to continue to use this tool. You know, some people will need to use it for like a week and they're like, oh, I'm done. I can see, not that they'll never have a negative thought about that area of their life again, but they'll be able to very quickly find the counter evidence and be like, ah, well, that's fine. Um, Other people might need to do it for like weeks. Some people might need to do it for months. Mm -hmm. I think it really is like how deeply ingrained is this negative self-belief and how much evidence do you need to rewire it but I swear this can be this can be the fastest tool because you know for some people it's just like oh it just fundamentally highlights I'm just making this stuff up about myself like it's not it's not the truth so I can move on what is reality yeah so I know that you are a big fan of Gretchen Rubin's work Mm -hmm. and on creating habits Mm -hmm. what are ways to create this tool into a habit oh this is a great question Thank you. So, um, so for me, again, asking for a friend. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this friend has a lot of issues. I love it. <laughs> well, using Gretchen Rubin's work, if we use her four tendencies work, which we can put a link in the show notes to the four tendencies yes. quiz, so people can take it and find out what tendency they are. What do you mean by tendency? If I, if someone didn't know, say my friend. <laughs> <laughs> say your friend, yeah, who shall remain there. What do you, mean you can by- say my name, Lindsay. You can say my name. So Gretchen came up with a brilliant, brilliant framework, which kind of, I guess, categorizes people into four tendencies based on whether they um, are able to meet inner or outer expectations or both. So essentially, uh, this is about recognizing that there are some people that, and she refers to them as upholders, that meet both inner and outer expectations. So these people, and again, it's only 16% of the population, so it's not that many people. These people can really easily create habit change because they are able to meet not only the outer expectations, so what's expected of them by, you know, colleagues or partners or whoever else, you know, external expectations, they can also meet internal and inner expectations. So if they set themselves a goal, they can self-motivate. They have good, you know, it might look like they have good self-discipline or willpower, but essentially they're just people that are able to, to meet these inner expectations. Then there's questioners who question outer expectations. And so they need everything to, if they determine that this particular habit that they want to form is worth forming, then it becomes an inner expectation and they're able to meet it. So questioners are very much, you know, Mm -hmm. fueled by intrinsic motivation. And that's like 24% of people. So bigger than the upholders, but the largest group is the group that I am in. And I know... (laughs) I know Lindsay is too. I'm a, I'm a member cardholder. <laughs> are called obligers. And we are people that meet outer expectations. So we're very good, like workmates and friends and family members. We'll, we'll do anything that's expected of us externally, but we struggle to meet inner expectations, meaning that 
not necessarily that we struggle, but that it'll go to the bottom of the pile. That if we're just doing something for ourselves with no one keeping us accountable, it's going to be pretty tricky. And that's 41% of us. So again, that's, that's pretty big. You do know that when I talk about this, um, I am not Australian. (laughs) I don't know if you could tell. (laughs) I can't tell. But I always say obliger. (laughs) Both when I think about it and talk about it because of how much you and I have Converse on the subject. I love, I love obliges. I love the Obliger. Of my accent. Great. And then the last, the rebels, 19% of people uh, who do not meet inner or outer expectations. They are a much trickier group to handle. But if we look at the counter evidence tool in terms of this, these tendencies in this framework, and again, mm-hmm. for anyone that hasn't done the test, do the test because it'll all make sense to you. I would say, well, upholders, you lucky people, you can just make this tool part of your day <laughs> because you you guys will be able to internally motivate. So you can just say, okay, at the end of the day, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write down some counter evidence for whatever my you know negative belief is that I'm working on. So any belief that you want to rewire, reframe in your mind, write it down. And then at the end of the day, come up with your counter evidence. Um, for a questioner, I'm trying to think what a questioner would need. Well, hopefully, first of all, they would need to see, well, why is this important? Why is this counter evidence tool important? And and is this something that I want to implement into my life? Well, I'll tell you why it's important because <laughs> if you can undo negative self-belief, then have positive self-belief, you will absolutely be able to transform every area of your life. So I cannot see how you could Including- not. Including... <laughs> Cutting through a leather shoe with a knife. You can cut through leather (laughs) shoes with this tool. So if that's not reason enough, I don't know what is. For us obligers, the key is always external accountability. So that's why for me as a coach, it's great because I can give all of my clients external accountability. I literally make them send me a text message. And if I haven't received it by a certain time, I message them and I say, please send me your counter evidence <laughs> and, they, and they will send it to me. So that you don't necessarily need to hire a professional. You don't have to have a coach to do this. You could set this up. Although we recommend that. <laughs> Although hire me, everybody. <laughs> but what I would say is find someone that can keep you accountable, whether it's a friend or a partner or sibling or whoever in your life that is willing to play that role for you and, and get them to, yeah, to text you or to email you or whichever Mm -hmm. way you want, you know, maybe they give you an actual phone call, whatever it may be, but get this person to actually send you something that makes you have to reply with your counter evidence, because that'll make you do it. And that'll make it a habit. And before long, you probably won't even need to do it because you'll already have rewired your brain and undone this belief. And then rebels, like, I don't know. Rebel- <laughs> rebels are true. You really feel about that. <laughs> rebels, can you just stop rebelling? <laughs> no, rebels need to, you know, have this, they need to have the freedom to choose what works for them. So again, it's about, Hopefully they can hear through this this podcast episode that it would be a helpful thing to do and they can make that decision by themselves to go ahead and, and use this. No tool. pressure. <laughs> but I'm not telling you to do that, Rebels. I'm not. I'm not. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. You do you. Yeah. I hope that helps. I don't know. That was a very long-winded answer. Well, long-winded, but also full of gold. <laughs> Thank you. Which I feel like most of our conversations are this way, right, Sam? Absolutely. <laughs> there are oftentimes I give Sam a quick call <laughs> that 
is never quick. No, never. We're terrible. <laughs> we, I mean, so, terribly Lindsay, awesome. <laughs> I put Goose on the spot before, but do you have a, yeah. uh, a negative self-belief that you need to use find some counter evidence for? Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking like currently mm. I have agreed to speak at uh, an engagement mm-hmm. and I in the past year have done a couple of speaking engagements mm-hmm. and but it's new as of this year mm-hmm. and I have this belief that I am not a good public speaker ah. <laughs> and so Which I fundamentally know is not true <laughs> yeah I don't have a lot of experience okay. and I can even get really good feedback ah. from other ah. people yep and the same person has asked me to do it again so I feel like it's not just you know, people who are unaware that I'm a terrible speaker who keep accidentally asking me Absolutely. to speak. Um. <laughs> so this is what you're doing. Like you're already coming up with it. There's the counter evidence. Here's my counter evidence. Right. I've been asked to do this again by the same person. Yeah. Therefore, I must be yep. a good public speaker. Two, I have received positive feedback from people that have heard me speak and enjoyed it. Therefore, I must be a good public speaker. Three, Sam, me, <laughs> I have listened to your to the, a recording of your uh, last kind of public speaking attempt. I think not even attempt, just attempt, attempt is the wrong word. <laughs> public speaking engagement. I didn't kill someone. And, Good lord! <laughs> and it was brilliant, and I was laughing out loud. Like you have excellent timing and comic delivery and yeah keep going (laughs) going what else you know and you have (laughs) I need some more evidence Sam can't be taught what you have which is this this beautiful timing and you don't use jargon you make things really really understandable and complex topics you make simple and yeah you're a great public wow sam (laughs) i'm gonna keep telling you all of my uh fears negative bias because that was really i'm eating that up sometimes i feel like our negative brain keeps coming up with more excuses like for example oh they're just asking me to speak again because they feel bad for me. Or, mm. oh, Sam is saying all these nice things because she's my friend. Mm. Right. Right. Totally. The, the, the negative brain keeps coming up with more and more negative excuses. Mm. How, how would you deal with that? Yeah. Well. He's not even asking for a friend. He's obviously <laughs> asking for his wife sitting right here. I'm like, right here, dude. I think this is about, <laughs> this is about kind sure. of realizing like, and this might sound harsh, but I use this with people that, that struggle to receive compliments. Yeah. And I say, okay, well, can you, what you are actually doing when you don't receive a compliment is you are saying to that person giving it to you, I don't respect your opinion. And I think you're a liar. <laughs> oh my word, so, Sam. Which is pretty awful. Like that's obviously not what the person is doing in the moment they are just unable to receive it because it feels uncomfortable and they're lacking self-love however you know when I tell people that and they're like oh my god actually you're right it's like saying to someone your opinion counts for nothing so I would say like to Kusa's point when those kind of negative self like those comments come in it's like saying to this person that's asked you to speak like if you actually believe, oh, no, they're just asking me to speak because, well, that their opinion doesn't matter and that they don't have self-respect and that they're not, they don't care about the audience that they've asked you to speak in front of and that, which is obviously not true. And if you're thinking, I just have to say these things because I'm your friend. Well, actually what you're saying to me is, yeah, I don't believe what you're saying to me. Sam, I don't respect you're a your liar. Opinion. You're a liar. 
<laughs> you know, which is I'm, right. I'm really not a liar. And I don't just say these no. things to make you feel better. And this goes to like Brene Brown's work. I remember one of the things that she said, and I'm going to butcher it, so sorry, Brene, but uh, she talks about the fact that we are so quick to kind of steamroll over the people's opinions that we love and care about the most. Like if our mm-hmm. parents say something or our partners say something or our friends, we're like, oh, you just have to say that. And we and we latch on to people's opinions that, these people, negative you know, opinions, they're, not even, right? they're not even important people in our lives, but if they've given mm-hmm. like negative feedback, we're like, oh yeah, that must be true. Like we're clinging on to the opinions of people that are not. Why do we do this? Oh, this is crazy. It's crazy talk. I know. So it's just about realizing that, you know, the people that we love in our life, they should be the people whose opinions we respect the most and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think what like because what you're saying maybe is this idea that as if the belief is so core to who you are mm-hmm. and you've held it for so long and you believe it so deeply, mm-hmm. it's like you have to double down on this kind of work. Yeah. And I think that is true. And it's like, going to take a while. It just takes some yeah. time. Yeah. Right. I think that's that that patience. Like part of that self-love is having patience with yourself as you unpack this. Yeah. um, Like these negative beliefs we have about ourselves. And the more counter evidence you find, the more you'll be able to see this isn't a one-sided story. So again, to Kusa's point, like if you, if you're like, oh, well, this person has to say this, like if your counter evidence was always what Sam's saying about me, then you might get a bit skeptical that maybe Sam is the only person saying these things. But but the more you look for counter evidence, you're going to find, you know, I'm saying it about you, someone else, like you're getting good feedback. It's not like you got one piece of good feedback. You know, you got positive feedback from multiple people. No, no, Sam, I just got one piece. <laughs> it was from you. <laughs> you will build, build up. The more you use the tool, you build up a symphony yeah. of voices that are mm-hmm. giving you an opposing viewpoint. So it isn't just, and, and that then gives strength to the fact that my belief is just subjective and it's just one belief. And there are many mm-hmm. other people that have an opposing belief to this, which kind of strengthens that idea that it's not just one person telling you, oh, you're great. It's like lots of different people in your life. Love it. Sam, you're brilliant. <laughs> Add that to Thanks. the counter evidence. Well, <laughs> I'm going to add that to my compliment notebook. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. Ooh, that's like that's a teaser not, for another that tool. Yet. <laughs> that is a teaser coming up next. Yeah. The compliment notebook. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> Sam, as always, you're brilliant. You're full of love and light. Aww. So grateful for you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thanks so much again for talking about this stuff with me. Thanks for sharing. I love it. I love it. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Our hope is that each day you feel more connected to the knowledge that you are infinitely loved. If you want to continue this conversation, you can find us at youareinfinitelyloved.com.